Oh, I just sneeze. That's like one of the first times in my life I've ever sneezed on camera. And you know when it like tickles in the back of your brain and you feel your whole soul leave your nostril? That was great. Ooh, that was soothing. All right, people watching on YouTube, that's the Bleacher Report channel, The Left Go Show. You can tell I'm wearing the same clothes. Those listening at home, that's right, I'm using the same voice. We're, I recorded podcast last week. I kind of already told you this with the LG Crumpler episode. And now my main man, Austin Hooper, I'm wearing the same things. I'm talking the same way. But I'm still on vacation. I hope y'all are still eating like a homie. I hope you guys are still holding yourself accountable. I hope that, like, you know that time at, like, 10 o'clock at night where you ate really good and all you really did was drink a lot of water and you feel that part of your stomach and you're like, that's the feeling of me getting healthy. Lean into that. Lean into that. I know some of y'all had a piece of pizza for lunch. That's okay. We're going broccoli. No pressure, though. Do whatever it needs to be done. I'm riding with you. My prayer is that I'm still healthy. I'm going to be on my couch kicking it. Uh, so if you need if you need inspiration, if you're going through a struggle, if you're out on a Thursday night and you got a plate full of nachos that your friend Ron is just swinging that cheese in front of your dome piece, hit up the DMs, say, bro, help me. And I'm going to say, fuck Ron. Fuck those nachos. We got this. Okay? We're closing in. The number was 33. I can't do math right now. It's probably somewhere in the 20s. We're a third of the way there. Let's do this. Now, I know that the predictions that I made on Tuesday, if they haven't come true, they're coming true today. Okay? But guess what? The crystal ball's back. I have three more Lefko Damas for you. Three guarantees that I know are going to happen, and I'm doing it well in advance. Nick, show them that computer screen. Wednesday, May 22nd, 247.07, 08, 09, and 10. And back to me. So, as you can tell, I've recorded both podcast intros on the same day, but that's what we call efficiency pay. Peeps, I don't know what I was going to call. I was going to call you pants. Um, but again, if I'm going to tell the future, I need two things. I need the crystal ball, and I need my chakra music. Nick? Oh, here we go. I see the number 30. Three. Zero. I see strength. I see motivation. I see best. There it is. You just heard it. A 30-year-plus player age-wise in the NFL will tell people that he is in the best shape of his life. I just saw it. I can't tell if it's offensive or defensive yet. It, mm, I don't know. It might be a special teams. But someone in their 30s will say, quote, I'm in the best shape of my life. Very confident about that. Interesting. Make sure you check your lifelines. Okay. Nick? Mmm. <laughs> wow. Really? Wow. Interesting. This is not on the field. This is on social media. Wow. It's a, quite the back and forth. A wide receiver will respond to a hater on social media, but then use the crying laughing emoji to cover up the fact that he was butthurt. Interesting. Dropping passes, the haters will come out. That response is going to be brutal. Hmm. If I had to guess who it was going to be, God, I'm hoping it's Antonio Brown. I don't know if you guys saw this. Juju came out last week and said, oh, Antonio only made himself available once a week. I'm here whenever you want. Eh, slippery slope, Juju. You're 22 years old. Be careful what you wish for because that's going to get not great anyway. One more, and it's a big one. I can feel it in my loins, in my plums. I feel wings. Daenerys. 
Drogon. Oh, wow. Look at it. It's majestic. The wingspan. The fire. Oh, this isn't just any dragon. Davis fucking Webb. The dragon will return. As all the eyes will be on Sam Darnold. The wings of Davis the Dragon Web will return. There will be stories, there will be binders, there will be motivation, there will be energy. The return of Davis Webb is upon us. You cannot hide or run. King's Landing will seem like a vacation compared to the streets of New York as Davis Webb returns to your newspaper slash internet slash app slash however you consume NFL media slash podcast slash TV shows slash Instagram stories. The dragon returns. Okay. Six for six, guys. Feeling really confident, almost as confident as our next guest. His name is Austin Hooper. He comes from Cali. He stayed for an entire summer and worked out with Matt Ryan, had one of the best years of his career and made the Pro Bowl last season. And now he's sitting on a couch talking to me. How the mighty have fallen. Hit up Austin Hooper on social. Tell me he's the fucking man. And I don't even need you to hear it first because I'm telling you you're going to like it. Here is the conversation with myself and Austin Hooper. He's the guy sitting next to me right now. Austin Hooper, Atlanta fucking Falcons. Good for you to be. The reason was, I think I read a story that you were sleeping at Matt Ryan's house. Is that true? Completely incorrect, but I was working with him a lot. (laughs) But didn't that story come out? I read a story where you guys were like together all the time. We were together a lot. I mean, when it's bedtime, I'm going to to my brother's apartment in L.A. I'll see you tomorrow. (laughs) Um, What what happened last offseason that you guys said, let's do this the whole time? Uh, so it all started, uh, Matt, Matt's wife, Sarah, was pregnant with her twins at yeah. the time. So knowing he wasn't going to be able to spend as much time on the West Coast um, up until summers when we moved it over to the West Coast. But knowing his wife was here to be with uh, her yeah. um, doctor and her OBGYN and all that good stuff, I figured, you know what, everyone's shooting off to the Bahamas, Europe, wherever, right? It's off season. This is your few months of freedom. Do with right. it as you wish. So I was like... All right, no one's going to be here. This could be a great opportunity to just spend time with Max. I mean, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I mean, the relationship between a route runner and a quarterback is huge. I mean, it's not so much like how crispy your routes are, how good your release game is. It's just knowing is he that looking when you put you? that right foot, that's when he needs to release. It. Exactly, nonverbal yeah. communication. He knows the way my body moves. Like the subtlest little drop in my hips or yeah. this triggers like after hundreds of reps. Like him just watching me run, run routes one on one. He knows. You know, my body mechanics, so it just helps a lot on the Was field. it, so like, you probably thought you had a good connection with him beforehand, right? Like before the summer of working out all the time? We were co-workers at that point. I wouldn't say like, you know what I mean? You Not spend you co-people. Spend, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I came in as 21-year-old rookie. I mean, I, you know, I wasn't in his ear, you know what I mean? Yeah. Kind of just, you know, speak when spoken to is more of what you kind of do as a yeah. rookie. You know, try to figure it out on your own or get, you know your ass tossed a couple times and figure sure. it out that way. So, I mean, uh, it was a good opportunity going into, uh, what, shoot, going into this past year where I was just like, all right, I need to take a deeper dive and spend more time with the man and understand, like, what his expectations are. Because, mm. I mean, during the season, as you know, there's so much stuff going on, especially as a quarterback. Like, you have to spit out 20-word play calls. You yeah. got to do so much. and Pick up I, defense, I, yeah, adjust. exactly. Like, I don't really see you up until we hit the practice field, other than in passing at right. breakfast or something. So You do realize, though, that, like, fans like myself think that you guys are, like, sleeping over each other's houses. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. It's way different than college. It's way different. Right. People actually have, like, wives and kids and stuff where it's like, I love you, but I'll see you tomorrow for 12 yeah. hours. Like, I'm going to be with my family for this short amount of time. Um, what part of the summer did you realize, oh, shit, we're building something? I'll probably say about two weeks in when we were in, um, so Matt, Matt, uh, Matt, Matt's down there in Orange County. We train out of Golden West Junior College out in uh, Huntington. So about two weeks in, I really realized, like, you know, this, we built upon the couple months we did mm. pre-OTAs. And then I just saw the difference in terms of, you know, just how many balls, not necessarily that we're connecting because the balls were there, but just understanding, like, how much quicker it is. Like, as soon as my head turns around, it's there. You could wow. tell, like, the 
comfortability with me and him would just kept, continue to grow. So, so you I was get, glad I put all that work you in. You get to training camp, mm-hmm. and you're seeing a lot of people for the first time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Could other people notice the difference in the connection, too? I mean, you'd have to ask them. I, I wouldn't know. I mean, I guess the coaching But I mean, like your did. tight end coach wasn't coming over Yeah, no, I mean, my, my tight end coach for sure. Like those who really who know. Who was your tight end coach? Uh, Wade Harmon, who's okay. uh, now with the Denver Broncos. Oh, Eternally nice. grateful for Wade. He got me as a 21-year-old little punk who thought he knew more than he did, and he uh, he brought me along. So, I mean, I'm... I'm Eternally grateful. I've always heard O-line coaches are hilarious. I don't know what the the typical mantra is for a tight ends coach. Well, tight ends coaches are like, they're they're different. Half of them either come from the receiver world or half of them come from the O-line world. So So you're either getting a diva or or like a cow. Yeah, so I I got, luckily, Wade was a former offensive line assistant with the Falcons before becoming the tight ends coach. So... Um, yeah, we got a we got a lot a good of that. wholesome. Dude. Yeah, got a lot of that good O lineman banter going on. Uh, we had a uh, you know we called it a fun board because you know we don't we don't do fines in the room. It's completely illegal, so it's fun room, yeah, fun yeah, board. Yeah. yeah, so we play with monopoly money. It's not real. Never real. Never real. No paper money. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then the season started, mm-hmm. and could you feel the difference? Because it, it, the connection was evident to me. Absolutely, just getting more looks. I mean, it's evident by just how many more ops, opportunities you can get and, and just understanding that, all right, in this situation, Matt's brain thinks like right. this. Right, So I got to say, my, you know, if I, knowing the way Matt thinks versus this specific look, I need to use my best stuff right here. Your Bears performance was two years ago? or what? Yeah, that was first game of my second season. So the thing about you was I'd always seen the spark. You know what I mean? Like, there are always games like the Bears game where it's like, I'm going to catch it, turn, go for another 40, like all the, like, great. It was the consistency. Yeah. And then this year, it was every freaking game, which had to feel like yeah. growth. No, I mean, that was the, the biggest testament for me, the biggest challenge for me. And, uh, you know, I, I did my best to rise up to that challenge because there were a lot of people who, uh, I mean, it's all on me. Like, I, there were some times where I wasn't consistent, and I, I fully admit to that. And it's just like, you know what? Just, just growing, a part about, yeah. Growing pains in the league, being, you know, 22. So, I mean, I grew up a little more. I mean, I'm still in no way, shape, or form have it figured out. I yeah. just found stuff that has worked for me so far and just trying to build on it. You're a pro bowler, though. Yeah, I snuck, my ba- snuck in there. Yeah. Special uninvited guest. How Shout did- out Zach Ertz. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Zach Ertz. Taking some time off. How did it... What, what is it like now to, like, have that title next to it? Because not everyone – people can play a whole career in that Yeah, no, I mean, Adam is crazy. I mean, I, uh, you know, as a, as a competitive person, I mean, you always try to aspire for that, but is it always tangible? Like, I don't know. So I just took it week by week, just try to put my best self out there. And at the end of the season, I was like, well, we'll see how it all shakes yeah. out. And luckily, Shit. luckily I snuck in there. So, I mean, it was something great. I get put next to my name forever, and no one can take it away from me. I thought that this year for Matt was Matt's best year. I would even say maybe – I would say it's, it might be better than what he did in 2015. And I know that was like the record-breaking year. 2016 year? 2016 with Kyle Shanahan. Yep. And the main reason is I thought there was more asked of him this year. 100%. I think, I think the Kyle Shanahan offense is incredible because it puts people in position to succeed. I agree. And, but this year he looked better physically. He looked better – controlling the offense like and it doesn't sound like I'm crazy about this no I mean um this was the second I mean this past year was the second year with Sarkeesian so I mean the rapport between the play caller and the quarterback I mean not saying it was bad before in any way shape or form but just understanding how each other thinks and knowing in what situation what do I expect before I hear a voice in the back of my helmet telling me so I already have that five ten seconds where I'm already thinking about okay what is the defense plan what matchups do I like? What guys? I was trying to give you credit yeah. that maybe you working out with him in the off season. I appreciate time. you trying to throw me a bone, but I'm gonna yeah. get called out by my teammates if I just blatantly <laughs> <laughs> just embellish. That, yeah. yeah. Um, where'd you grow up? I grew up uh, in the East Bay in the Bay Area, Northern California, a little town called Dude, San Ramon. Because I'm sitting here and I'm doing this interview and I'm going, man, he's got too much Cali bro in him to be a Georgia kid. Yeah, I get that. And then when I go back home, people say you sound like you're from the South. When I come down here, people say you sound like you're from the West wow. Coast. So you're I'm a man without like, a home. Man with no flag. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. Damn. Uh, what was it like growing up in Cali? Like where you grew up? I loved it. I mean, the weather was. And you grew up like what, a nice. Niners fan? Uh, I mean, I didn't really 
watch a whole lot of uh, pro ball, but if I did, I would watch both the Bay Area teams. Yeah. I mean, the Raiders, while I was growing up, they were rolling up until Rich Gannon wanted to oh, be man. a tough guy in a preseason game. Then it kind of all went down from there. Then we drafted guy number one overall. Didn't really work. Didn't work out too well. And uh, the did- Niners were kind of in. Uh, you know, the 500 ball club area up until I was in high school during the volleyball yeah. years, and then they... That sounded like you grew up a Raider fan. So then my thing is, uh, athletes, they, they give up their allegiances, mm-hmm. and then you're a team, a fan of who you play with. The, the team that drafted you, yeah, because yeah, your hometown team didn't. So it's like the team who pays your mortgage. Is it different, though, to face that team? Like, does that feel... Have you had a chance to face the Raiders? Well, yeah, in well, Oakland, on the baseball field. It was awesome. Shit. On the baseball field. Right, so make go, sure you don't fall on the dirt. I had to go out in pregame warm-ups and teach myself how to run routes on dirt because there's a reason why baseball players use metal spikes to get traction. Take me back, <laughs> though, tough. to like 10-year-old Austin Hooper and thinking about playing on that field. Shit. It's a dream, man. Then after it, we'd go to A's games. We'd go to A's games during the middle of the week and at the end of the week check out some Raiders games. So, I mean, just, you know, it was like 10, 12 miles from the house. So, right. I mean, it was just the East Bay team. And then you fast forward and you're actually out there. Right. Yeah, it was a pretty surreal moment. I had like, uh, you know, a bunch of family and friends. That was kind of like the, uh, you know, culmination of everything. Seeing my, all my family and friends in the Raiders stadium. What? In, in the black hole, seeing me what? out there. Uh, yeah, I was, a, I was a completely unknown rookie. I believe that was the second or third game of the year, something like that. So, I mean... Did you make a play? Yeah, I had, like, three catches for 85 yards. Because, I mean, they just didn't even look at me. They're like, who the yeah, hell is this like, rookie? This yeah, just kid? yeah, let the air cover this kid. I was like, all right. <laughs> wow. Catch a seam and run. So, I was, uh, I was very grateful to do that in front of my... What's family. really funny, too, with, like, parents and stuff when you achieve things is they're proud of you all the time. But there are certain things that happen... That they become kind your of your mom involved. is proud of you all the time. Yes. Your dad, your dad during certain <laughs> moments would be like, you know what, son, you did that. Yeah, and that's why you gotta love your father because he's gonna keep it real with you. Your all mom, the fucking time. Your mom, your mom's gonna tell you what you want to hear and want to try to protect you so much. I mean, that's what moms do. But like, and your dad's just gonna tell you the tell you the truth. Yeah, he's gonna tell you the oh, the amount truth. of times that I get done a basketball game, my dad be like, why didn't you box out that one time? Oh, 100 percent. It doesn't damn. matter if you score 20 points. What about that one of play course, when you whipped course. on that block? That's like, pops. You see, Shout out to Bruce. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to right. Mike. Shout out Mike right here. Nice. Um, the other thing though, it's like, I. I've been able to be in media now for a while. I've done like TV before, but my grandmom does not understand social media. And she doesn't understand that like I could be on Bleacher Report and more people could see that than someone that does Philadelphia television. Like that doesn't make sense to her. So for me... Probably still an AOL email too. Mother, she ain't on email. She doesn't understand email. Oh, wow. She's really off yeah, the grid. Yeah, no, she talks to who knocks on her door and who knows her phone number. That's my grandma. So when I, I did it. the Rising Stars game on TV and she saw me, all the fact that it was in that box on the wall, I knew that I had done everything that I needed to do. And that's what it sounds like with the Raiders where it's like, yeah, you're in the NFL and it's amazing, but in that place... That had to feel like... Amazing, yeah. Oh. To be able to go back home and actually play in front of you, you know, your high school friends, your family, your extended family, friends, everybody was there. So, I mean, it was just a special moment that we all got to share together. Were there any other local kids that you grew up with that, that had a chance to, that you were competing with that even got to this level? Anyone from... Like- well, I mean, Ertz, Ertz went to high school uh, a couple cities over. I mean, yeah. he's a little bit older than me, but that was like the tight end who I grew up. Like, you right. know, the, that, that was the guy who went to Stanford and I kind of followed in his footsteps a little bit. And he kind of Did you guys do a jersey exchange after week one last year? Uh, there, there was no jersey exchange. He was getting mobbed. I just dapped him up real quick and yeah. then got out of there, banged up my knee pretty good. So I wasn't really worried about the jersey exchange. Oh, I had to get all the swelling out of my knee. Is it okay that I'm an Eagles fan? You'd be a fan of whoever you okay, want. Okay, cool. I just, I, I firmly believe that the reason we won the Super Bowl is not just because of Nick Foles. It's also because of Keanu Neal's knee. I believe that you guys were beating the shit out of them. That was the most physical game I've ever played in. Really? Like, that game was, like, I played in playoff games. I played in the Super Bowl. Like, that game was, like, personal. Like, that was, like, an oh, circa 04, oh, you know, whatever, yeah. jo- old school John Gruden smash yeah. mouth team. Why do you think it got to that level? Team. Just, 
honestly don't even, I just think it was just the fact that the year before they sent Hmm, that's a really good question. I don't know. I just feel like... No, finish what you were just saying. What are they Well, say? I'm a little out of the timeline because I was thinking of this past year, the opening season game. Oh, you're saying that's the most physical game you've yes, ever played? Yes, I was speaking out of turn a little bit because they that knocked us was... out of the playoffs and like we beat the crap out of each other. And then yes. the opening season game when Keanu went down. Yes, but what I was saying about Keanu Neal's knee mm-hmm. was this. You guys were beating the crap out of the Eagles in the first half. Nick Foles throws a duck across the middle. Keanu Neal tries to pick it off, but his oh, knee came yep. up. I remember that one. And it banged off his knee, and then Aguilar caught it, and they got a field goal. And ever since the pass went off his knee, mm-hmm. Nick Foles was lights out in the second half. Yeah, he played really well. He was well. lights out against the Vikings, and he was lights out against the Patriots. So I give Keanu's knee all of the credit. It's an egalitarian knee, yeah. It's... <laughs> no, I mean, one, one, one play doesn't make or break a game. Of we course, dropped a couple course. picks. I mean, I made some mistakes, every, just like everybody else yeah. did. I mean, one play doesn't make But that break. first game of the year, everybody was going down. There were so many injuries. But I'm it was telling also- you, Adam, that was the most physical game I've ever played in. Like, wow. They knocked us out of the playoffs on their way to winning the Super Bowl and yeah. the World Champions. So, I mean, that game was very personal. And they had a lot to prove because all you hear is if you – you know, if you lose Super Bowl, have you crumbled? And if you right. won it, can you sustain it? So, I mean, both teams had a lot to prove. Man. Like, are both these programs diminished? Are they right. done? Can they still compete? And you had just gone through that the year before. Yeah, I mean, my rookie year, we went all the way to the ship. And then uh, second year, we went to the second round of the playoffs where we lost uh, to your Eagles. And then this past year, we didn't uh, hit the playoffs Are you fully over? I mean... To go to that It is Super what Bowl, it is, man. Yes. Like, I don't even want to fucking... Like, yeah. my dad told me something, you know, he said, son, the sun will rise in the morning. Always. Like, and you, you don't can, have a choice. Yeah, I mean, I made my peace with it because, I mean, all you can do is be pissed off and just think about the past or you can just be yeah. like, you know what, forget it. We lost the game. We were up. We had plenty of chances to put them away and yeah. we didn't. So it's like credit to them because, I mean, we were, we were whooping their ass for a good part of the game yeah. and then... Tom Brady and Belichick found a way. I think the biggest thing, Adam, that not a lot of people realize is halftime for regular season games is 12 minutes. Halftime for the Super Bowl is like 35 to 40 Yeah, who's it? Gaga was out there doing like her whole second and third album. Like I remember the first <laughs> – here, here's, what, here's what we did. Like the first 15 minutes, you are not allowed to talk to a coach. A coach is not allowed to talk to you. Of halftime. Correct. So sit down. Why? You see, Just to you let your like break. like 40 minutes. Like 12 minutes oh. you're in the day with, okay, we're doing this, 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 yeah. this. So, I mean, Quinn's been a – he went to two in Seattle. So, right. up until that point, he went to the three of the last four Super Bowls. So, so he totally knew the He flow. understands the format. So, he's like, you know what, let's do this. First 15 minutes, you don't talk to us. We're going to go in and watch film. We're going to figure out what they're doing offensively awesome. and defensively. And you guys chill out, foam roll, stretch, hydrate. You actually have time to grab an IV if you needed one and do whatever. Then after that, all right, we sit back, lock back in. We're going to do another 10 minutes of coaches and players together. We're going to go over our first, you know, 15 going out right. in the second half and vice versa. And then the next remaining time, we're going to do a little – we got to warm up again. You're sitting cold for like 40 minutes. Shit. So, you know, do a little dynamic effort warm yep. up in the locker room in your pads. Jumping and everything, around. Go out. So, meanwhile, up until that point, I think we ran like 26 or 28 plays. So, Belichick's in there for a half hour just like – Okay, I'm I'm starting to read this book. He's doing the clicker with us. Exactly, hands, right? like he's like I'm I'm deciphering this Shanahan's Da Vinci Code. I'm figuring out exactly. Okay, they're attacking this player. Yes, they're finding success when we run out of these fronts. When we use these fronts, they go. But what's this incredible way. is you guys started the second half and you still drove down the field and Tevin Coleman got that touchdown. Yeah, no, we came out the gates hot. Like, didn't he, like yeah. because Kyle is such a, a mind that. He's one of the few offensive coaches that I think can go against Belichick and know that Belichick's going to adjust and know how to adjust to his adjustment. A hundred percent. Like that was, I believe that was one of the greatest cat and mouse, like back and forth. Like, I mean, I was a rookie. I didn't know my ass from my elbow. I just knew it was two, you know, one historic coach and one coach who's, you know, really good OC. I didn't know any better. Kyle averages like 34 points per game against Belichick. Yeah, no. In like four games. And he's so paranoid. It's like, it's like, look, man, I know we're at the hotel, but if you have any shit, don't throw it out here. I swear to God, dude. The, the maid will send it to Belichick. I'm just like, uh, okay. No, he's not lying. No, no, no. Yeah, no. So Belichick. The Baltimore Ravens, when they would go to New England, would sweep the locker room for bugs. They would like. Unlike some serious FBI. No, no fucking, yeah. 
Whoa. Because the true thing is, is it's, that's the mystique of Belichick, is that he must be doing something other than just coaching. But the true thing is, nobody works harder than that motherfucker. You know this about no, the NFL. I don't think so. There are people that just work harder than everybody else. Yeah. And coaching is not created equal. Dan Quinn. It's not glamorous either. Like, no you, you, way. When I hear players go, sleep. like you be tell a- us, like coaches, you get four hours of sleep tonight. Players, you better get nine tonight. And I'm just looking at the coaches, like, have you? When was the last time you seen your family? They're like, man, during yeah. season it's a grind. And I'm like, I mean, during Hard Knocks last year, Fossil, the special teams coach of the Rams, I mean, he slept in the office like yeah. every day. Most coaches do. Because so, I mean, what are you going to do? Drive a half hour, sleep for three hours, wake up. You know, grab a morning coffee, brush your teeth, drive another half hour. It's like, you know what? I'm already running on dangerously low amounts of sleep. Let's yes. cut out the middle, man. I got a toothbrush in my drawer. Shit. I got a pillow underneath my desk and a sleeping bag. Let's get it. But yet fans don't realize that. Fans don't understand. Like, no. I mean, I think there's the biggest divide between what goes into a sport and what fans think I think NFL is the biggest divide. No, because, I mean, you play one or two years in varsity high school football, you think you know what's happening. Just because you play Madden and fantasy football, you think you know what's happening. But, I mean, I, I assure you, there's a lot of factors that go into play that not even the media will even hint at. Or they'll, no. you know, shoot blind in the dark and say something completely. Because incorrect. they just went and looked at an analytics website that told them if you're good or bad. Yeah, I know. You look into some computer algorithm, then you yeah, know, yeah. all right, I know what's immediately in the conveyor of all football knowledge. <laughs> it's, it's funny. It's the way that I try thing. and talk about football with this show is I am a fan. And I am trying to learn as much as I can. And through and that, that's why players respect you. You don't come out here ooh, like I appreciate that. I know what's going on. You come out here as no. inquisitive, like, look, man. Like, you know what my theory is for the draft, and this is probably going to come out after the draft. This is how I'm approaching the draft. I am fucking done with arguing with people about if a guy is going to be good or not, and no one has any idea. Like, I watch NFL Network and I watch the ESPN, the ESPN. I don't know why I said that. And they'll be like, I like him more than him. Guess what? If this guy goes to the Patriots and this guy goes to a team that's maybe not that good, like that could change their entire careers. 100%. So like, why are we having these arguments about kids? Yeah, if I that- want to watch guys argue, I'll turn on Stephen A. and Skip. Yeah, like I'd rather see something more informative and more right. inquisitive. But what I'm that. doing this year is I'm just going to wait until every guy goes on a team, and then I'm going to watch them in preseason, and then I'm going to watch them, and I'll know if they're good or not. Yeah, I mean, you'll get an idea. I mean, it definitely takes, you know, different players yes. around different timelines, Year, but you'll two, at least you'll understand, yeah. okay, how is he being used in the system? What do they ask him to specifically do? Like, tight end's the easiest one. Like, is he out there on first down? Right. Okay, so you better be out there on third down. Right. So that one's kind of more transparent positions where his quarterback, like... How the hell knows? Yeah, you, it's, yeah you're shooting in the dark yeah. on that one. Because, I mean, the learning curve in that one is so steep. Dude, it, I think it's a huge benefit to get drafted later. The only thing that sucks is the millions in the beginning of your contract. But NFL players, it's the second and third contracts. God bless you get a third. The second contract is everything. Yeah. So I'd rather go to a good team. Another thing, too, if you're at the bottom of the first round, you'd rather almost be a high second round. Absolutely. Get because, rid of that extra year on the contract. Exactly, because the, the difference between the bottom of the first and top of the second is like what? Who were the other tight ends in your draft? Uh, Hunter Henry was the first one off the okay. board in the second round. I was the second one in the third round. Nick Vinette was right behind me. You were the second one, and you were in the third round. Middle of the third, man. Dude, there like, might be three in the Tight draft. ends were dead for like three couple yes. years before i mean the top guy of the year before i think was max williams and he went second round of baltimore yeah, second round of baltimore uh yeah he, he carved had two out. x's in his first name which means he's very extreme <laughs> yeah no he's a, he's, he's a hell of a special teams player i see what about there. when you see teams like baltimore that plays four tight ends in a game i mean that's their style smash yeah. mouth we, we want to control the clock run the football give our defense a rest because historically that organization has been built on defense yes. so i mean you got to give Sorry, your, your big 270 pound edge setters some time to recuperate and your big 330 pound nose tackle brandon williams some time to recuperate too because i mean that's the thing that's why like they're a great team but if they ever get in the shootout it's tough has there ever been a time where an oc kyle does not do this where an oc has lined you up on to to block a pass rusher by yourself 
It's, All the time. I, it's, it's one it's of the, the biggest, craziest things. It's one of my biggest pet peeves in the NFL is when a coach circles a tight end and goes, and you're going to block Von Miller. Yeah. Meanwhile, you're looking at the guy next to you like, why are you paying this guy like X amount a year? Like, right. bro, what, what do you expect me to do? Like my thing, like a pass that try to keep your hands tight and just, Matt, you better get it out in less than three, dude. Like I'm just getting in the what way. What was your biggest oh shit moment with like one-on-one on a pass rusher? Probably in the Super Bowl with Dante Hightower was probably the craziest one because I was lined up off the ball as kind of an H-back, and they slid the protection to the right. So no one even, like, slowed him down with the hand. Like, I would come up just like, all right, I'm about to just wear this one. And by the grace of God, my hands got put in the right spot. (laughs) Then he stumbled a little bit, and I felt it. Definitely got away with the holding call and then put him on the ground. And immediately, you know it's bad when both players look at the ref. Thank God the ref was like, I see no evil, and just had wow. his eyes downfield. So luckily I got so away So technically, you put Dante Howard into the earth. Uh, he put me on my, my, my butt a couple times earlier in okay, the game, okay. so I'll call that as uh, slightly getting one back using his trip to uh, make it look worse. How, how special is Kyle? Uh, I mean, I've, I've you know, been fortunate enough to be around my third offense coordinator now in Dirk Cutter. I mean, I don't know him that well yet, but I mean, Sark, Sark did a good job for us. Uh, hear a lot of things about Dirk Cutter, and I, I mean, just I don't know if it's because I'm a rookie or anything, but or just the success we had. But the amount of football knowledge Kyle had, and the ability to put specific people in great positions of success, and yeah. like specifically game planning off of like one or two defenders. Like he'll be like, I remember game plans. He'd be like, this three technique, we're gonna make his day a living hell. Mm. And like the simplest thing, be like, so. So my rookie year, we played the Saints, which mixed a lot of cover two in with cover three, where they bring an eighth guy in the box. They're just like, look, man, if they ever roll up in a seven-man box against us, Devontae, you better have 150 yards rushing today. All right, as soon as you go eight box, Julio, we're going to do that play-action drift route across the middle, mm-hmm. and you're going to take So it. simple cues. He was like Nostradamus, man. Like, if he called it, it actually happened. It was crazy. I just thought that's what an NFL offensive coordinator that was. was. Your first season. That's what I'm saying. Like I just didn't know. <laughs> you came guys. in. You're like these. Guys like are Wednesday in meetings, he was like, "Yeah, we're gonna run this here as soon as they go eight box, and then we're gonna score." I'm just like, "Okay, like it's probably coach talk or whatever." And then it actually happened. I'm like, "This guy's Nostradamus. <laughs> like this guy is a fortune teller." And it would happen every time. And I mean, we scored so many points that year. I mean, obviously. Players were already bought in, but like when yeah. the guys, and you're a top ten offense. When the guys shoot ninety percent at the free throw line, like you tend to believe he's going to make it. So I mean, and we just Freeman's getting off, Tevin's getting off, Julio's having the season. He Muhammad did. was eating. Yeah. we had a couple other receivers who came in there. Did Travis thing Benjamin? As well. He wasn't with us. No, who was the guy? Who's your slot guy that ran a million miles an hour and got a big contract? I'm talking about Taylor Gabriel. Taylor Gabriel. Thank you. Yeah, Turbo. Travis Benjamin and Taylor Gabriel. He was like Taylor very... Gabriel up until week six, then he became Turbo. One word. Just like when Terrell Owens after that, that big game became T.O. I, just look, you got to be in our receiver room, man. Our receiver room it has to be – it's incredible. You got Julio Muhammad. At the time, you had Taylor. He was Taylor Gabriel before he became Turbo. Shout out, Gabe. Um, but, yeah, that room and with Raheem Morris as their wide receivers coach, it is absurd. It's Why amazing. Is it absurd? We, share, we, share, we share a wall. Tight end room is right here. Receiver room is right here. All you hear – it's just nonstop laughter, yelling, screaming. But it's all pro- like positive. Oh, and like, of course. Fuck, yeah. I mean, it's not like our receiver room wasn't productive. Like exactly. there was no, yeah. There's no reason for Raheem to be a hard ass. Like your receivers, you know, arguably had the best receiver room in all of football. I agree. I agree. So I mean, it's like I don't have to teach these guys how to run a slant route. Let me give them good information. Who came on out how with Turbo? Go. Gabe did, man. It was, oh, he self-proclaimed? That's self-proclaimed amazing. Turbo, man. It was crazy. He went full third person with it sometimes, too. <laughs> is the, is the One room, of my favorite teammates who I've ever played with. Is the, the room still amazing? The wide receiver oh, it's room. incredible. We added Calvin Ridley, who's, in my opinion, the best young receiver in football. Who's the wide receivers coach now? Because I know it's not, it's not Raheem anymore, is it? He's still there. What's wild about Raheem is he's Assistant one of those... head coach, receivers coach, man. Defensive back coach, mm-hmm. head coach... And then flips over to wide receiver coach. And I think a lot of it was because Kyle was like, you, you understand the wide receiver position Who's so going to well? get better information about defensive backs than Raheem Morris, a guy who coached and Kyle DBs sits in the wide receiver years. room a lot, right? A lot. He was a wide out himself. So uh, my theory is that right now the best play callers in the NFL were former wide receivers. 
Kyle played wide receiver at Texas. Sean McVay played wide receiver at Miami of Ohio. Mm-hmm. Josh McDaniels played wide receiver as well. And I, I didn't think, know that. And I think the connection is they know – I think when there's a quarterback that becomes a play caller, they're really good at knowing what the quarterback likes like likes and, they, and comfortable. But when a wide receiver is the play caller, they know how to get people open. And they know how to mess with defenses where a quarterback is just going, I just want the post – clean. I want the corner clean. Agreed. But the wide receiver coach can kind of go, I know the real holes. In the I know how to too. get all these guys going. Yes. Yeah. The movement, the bunches. What does this guy do really well? For example, when Kyle was here, everyone had like, I want, everybody would obviously be able to do everything. Yeah, but when it's like third down, it's like Muhammad Sanu is going to break anyone off in the slot. We're going to give him an option. You have three options. But zone, turn around, sit, pop, easy first down. He's playing inside leverage, work him inside, break out, yeah. playing outside, give him something outside and go in. And Muhammad was incredible. He had to be like over 90% efficient on that route. And he throws a fucking beautiful deep ball. Dude, he's nice. He's out there in training camp sometimes tossing it. I, I think the guy could go end zone to end zone if he really wanted No. To. You see him bobble snap off his back foot, launch at 60 to Julio. So like. I, I, at the Super Bowl, we measured my throw. It was cold. It was windy. Did you? How Geometric f- pressure was probably off too. Yeah, it's yeah. probably you got to watch out for that. How far do you think I threw it? Uh, I'd say probably forty-five. This man looked at my chest. Did you guys notice how he looked? At my- yeah, I threw I it forty-nine. Oh. Is that impressive to you? It actually is, man. Yes. I'll the thing it. is, is 40- how sore is your rotator cuff the next two I days? I threw my fucking arm out yeah, no, so hard. But the thing is, when you get on a football field and you stand at midfield and you look at the end zone, you go. Fucking A, I can do that easy. When somebody stands on the end zone and you realize the depth perception, that's when you realize how far 50 yards Yeah, from the rafters, the football field looks real small. Then you step on, you're like, whoa, these guys are pretty big and this field's pretty damn long. Was there, which player, the sheer size of them, like, awed you? Like, was it, like, are we talking, like, Calais Campbell? Are we, really? I looked at him, I was just like... It's going to be one of those days. And he looked at you, and, he, and he's your number 81? Yeah. He goes, 81, I got you. Like, his voice is insane. Yeah, no, it was insanity. It was sanity. I just used my quickness and get good body yeah. position, latch on, not holding, latching. Greatest just, tight uh, end ever. Who's your, who's your number one? Man, growing up watching, watching Tony G, I mm. mean, he's, he's the man who kind of reinvented the position. I mean, there were a lot of great ones before Shannon Sharp was yeah. incredible. You know, one of a kind town in his own right. I mean, if you want to go back, the old GM for the Ravens was Ozzie best. Newsom. Kellen Winslow Sr. was really yeah. phenomenal. Uh, you did say Shannon. I think Shannon doesn't get mentioned a lot. And I don't know why. Well, I don't have an it's answer It's not like he you. wasn't productive. Insanely productive. I think the re- like when Gronk retired, everybody was proclaiming him to be the best, and I think it's because the the stories of him as a blocker added to what he did as a receiver. He was probably the best all around. I, and that's how Absolutely. I feel. Like Tony, I think was the best. Uh, do you know who I didn't talk about either? Uh, Antonio Gates or Jason Witten. Jason, I don't think Jason Witten's at their level. I think Jason Witten, though. Hold on, can you believe he's back? What was the NFL player Someone, reaction? Someone's going to pay you like that. Why not? Yeah. For six months of work, I'll take it. Could you it. imagine taking a year off and then coming back? I don't know. Yeah, why not get your body healthy real quick and then come right That's back true. and do it? It's not like you don't know the coaching the staff, Bell don't method. know the quarterback, don't know the offense, and just coming in cold. The thing about the Cowboys offense is it's all read and react. It's all run seven yards, and if he's if he's No, he, he invented the Y option for the most part. I mean, do you half, believe that? Half their offense is, I mean – could be Coach Garrett embellishing a little bit down in uh, at the Pro Bowl, but yeah, he said if it was like third and seven or less, kind of like much with Dirk Cutter when he had Tony G here. It's like, oh man, just just get open, right? Just get open. Like and I then his you. connection with Romo. You want to talk about like them building over time? Oh yeah, are you kidding me? Like that? He probably had a headset in the back of his ear. All right, break out, break out, break oh, out. Oh yeah, <laughs> ball's already in the air and he's still at the top of his stem. Didn't even pick yet. To someone that doesn't root for the Falcons or the Saints. How can you explain to me why that rivalry is so heated? I don't think I can give you a good answer, man. It's, it's been there a long time before I was a part of this organization. Growing up on the West Coast, I didn't really see it. Um, but I just think exactly. it's two, that's where two southern football cities where it's just like, historically, that's been like 
I mean, in New Orleans, that's that's a pride of the city. And the other, uh, I guess the other city closest to it, I mean, I don't, I don't think them and the Oilers ever had any beef. No. It was more just the Falcons for whatever. Because, I mean, the NFC South has played each other for however many decades. Right. So, and I mean, both the fan bases are known to be pretty rowdy. When did you realize that the Falcons-Saints rivalry is... Was real? It's another level. Uh, I knew it was crazy when my rookie year in 2016, we played in the Superdome on the 10-year anniversary of Hurricane Katrina. You want to talk about a loud stadium. Oh, that was my first time in the Superdome, too, just seeing all the lights. And it's just like a big room, so they make it pitch black. Then you see the gold, purple, and green lights, and then the flames shoot up, start announcing the stars. I'm like, it's my third NFL game. I'm like, Jesus, this is... Fans this. are yelling things. Oh, yeah, well hydrated, fresh off Bourbon Street. Like, they're, they're, they're ready to get after it in the stands. So, I mean... Have you ever been, like, like I hear a lot of shit talkers, they'll, like, research people. Have you ever been researched and someone came at you with some personal shit? No, I don't think anyone even knows I play in the NFL, so luckily I got a little more time before uh, some people take a deep dive into give my me, personal. Give me the, the good and the bad of being an NFL player and not being recognized on the street. Like, what's good and what's bad? I can go wherever I want. Yeah. And go wherever I want. I mean, I'm not going to be like a dickhead to the fans or anything. Like, if someone has something to say, wants to take a picture, sign something, yeah. of course I'll always do Dude, it. Because I, I, I was that little kid. Of course. Yeah, so I, mean, I was at the Super Bowl, and Tyreek Hill is on a scooter. Mm-hmm. And I go to my friend, I go, that's Tyreek Hill. He goes, no, it's not. I go... I go, wanna, you want about like a million? It's kind of my job, dude. Yeah, it's like I'm my telling thing. you right now. But he was like, he's like, oh, I thought he'd be bigger. That's the thing about NFL players is yeah, everyone thinks you... take off the helmet and shoulder pads and everything. Like, oh, you don't... And not be on camera, which makes you look even bigger. You're like, well, you aren't as big as I thought you were yeah. on TV. I'm like, that's a huge compliment. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't get that. I usually get, oh, you're a little bit bigger than I thought. Like, oh. <laughs> well, I've been eating salads. Winter is coming. Winter is coming. <laughs> Uh, I feel like you're an inquisitive guy. Do you have any questions for me? Yeah, I mean, we're talking off air. Like, how did you get this whole thing started? Uh, I was a news reporter in Hastings, Nebraska for two years. That was my first I'm job. Sorry. Don't apologize. I, me going to the middle of nowhere was the best <laughs> thing that could have happened to me. Because I was, all my friends were in New York, and they were all partying. And I was like, I'm going to go, and I have to be here for two years. I'm going to bust my ass. And that's all I thought about. Like, oh, I would just sit there and be like, I'm going to make, like, a DVD and send it to, to Pittsburgh. I'm going to make a DVD. So, like, that kind of, I did that for two years. Uh, covered goat fashion show. I covered city council meetings. Uh, did all that shit. Shot my own stuff. Edited Sounds my own like you stuff. got sent to purgatory for two years. Yeah. But, hey, made you the man you are today. So, something in the universe. I was, I was an asshole, so it kind of straightened <laughs> me out. Then I became a sports anchor in Louisville, Kentucky. And I covered a lot of college basketball. Uh, after that, I got a job at Bleacher Report uh, because I kind of went viral with some clips where I, I dropped like 40 NBA or 40 uh, Seinfeld references in a show. And then I did one then a week later, like 40 uh, rap references. So now when you see people do that, they're really pulling a left go. I, I just got really fucking bored. When you start hanging up the Guinness World Records in the back, yeah. somewhere where the camera can see it, the world's most world's douchiest yeah. sports guy and then i got a job at bleacher report and i've been there for five years mm -hmm. and i would me and me and sims would do like 40 videos a day and nobody would see them because this was back when the app wasn't as popular yeah. and like i do one falcons video one giants video and now after a while we we kind of launched the podcast and just kept doing it and i honestly think that Patience is the virtue, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And you, 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 you don't realize what you're accomplishing until you look up like a year or two later. Take a look at Joe Rogan. He didn't start off Dude, the way he is. I literally just said beforehand that people look at Joe Rogan now and they don't realize he's been doing this for like 10 years. Yeah. Like it's it been used to be nonstop. him on a couch. Yes. Like in his living room. And now he has like a full studio with like professional everything and it's all awesome. i have so many people now that are hitting me up that are like i'm thinking about starting a podcast you're a little, a little too late <laughs> and because it's fun you know it's like this it's it's tv but it's relaxed and and it's we live in my mind in an on-demand society where 
you're going to go, and if, you, if you're not there to watch Game of Thrones right away, you'll watch it when you can watch Instant it. It's gratification. And so podcast, I think, fits perfectly into our, it can be clipped up for social media, mm-hmm. for Instagram, Twitter, and all that. But also, if I watch you on the local news, I'm going to get 15 seconds of you. Mm-hmm. You're a funny guy. I've never met you before. A podcast, you get to be in front of my audience, the homies. Yeah, the not in front of FCC airwaves either. Right, so you can right. kind of just be you. Yeah, so this has fit me well, too, because I'm a goon, and podcasting is good for goons. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's your product. They can't tell you how to censor it. All right, let me ask you, now I'm going to ask you a question. Uh, if you were a baseball player, what would your walk-up song be? Mm, rubber Band Man T.I. Wow, does the Taliban nod in my right 45 in my other hand? This man knows his stuff. That was, that was I had a big TI stage. There, there, there was a moment, there was a phase? Oh, it was like right when I was pledging was a fraternity a in college, so I was like, I have to get through this, and TI is going to be like my mantra. That and 3 6 and all them that got you through it all? So, but I thought you'd be listening to like some Cali. Well, you think I'd listen to Red Hot Chili Peppers on Reef? No, I thought you'd be listening to like E40 or some shit. Of course, Mac Dre E40. By me, as soon as I came to South, like I learned about a lot of people that I never heard, of, like Fat Pat, and listen to starting a lot more, you know, Southern stuff. I mean, when I, my rookie years when uh, Migos put out Culture, and luckily Julio's been a. Uh, you know. Like the fourth Migo sometimes. Yeah, so we were lucky enough to hear in the locker room a little bit before everyone else did, and we were just like, Splash. <laughs> You're like, what are all yeah, these ad libs? Like, I was like, what is happening? But I, I don't know what it means, but it sounds good. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was, um, it was awesome. The, the first time, this, will be, this is my official last question. You're going to have to come on again. You're good, man. I'm, I got nothing going on. The first time you saw the athletic freak that Julio is was when? It's hard, man, because after a while you become so desensitized. That's to the it. thing about great players in the NFL is we don't even talk about it. But when you saw him, whether it was camp or a workout or a route, I would say my rookie year he ran this thing called a uh, a takeoff. So what you do is you sell it twenty. See miles. how we brought Migos all together? Yeah. Now the fourth Migos always has some some yeah. references in there. Quavo go deep. Anyway. Yeah. So this takeoff, right? So you run like a 20-yard comeback. It's a double move, though. So come back, uh, show your hips and eyes, and then turn around and immediately sprint. And Which is guy, phenomenal because it's hard to go when from do fully you, stop to that, full speed. Like when does a quickly. cornerback ever going? We just went 20 yards, and now he's doing a comeback. This is a thousand percent the end. Yeah, was this my, a nine-man protection? How much right. time does this guy have back right. there? Yeah, no, so I saw him run, you know, 21 miles an hour, take three steps to stop, just... Ka-ka-ka. Yeah, which is incredible in itself. Turns around, gets a DB coming downhill, eyes looking for the, to jump the comeback. So he did it. He plays with the defenders, too, to let them... He, he directs them, basically. So he showed it enough to trigger the, in the DB's mind because he ran comebacks earlier in practice. Right. All right, it's a comeback. So he lets him get in his pocket, turns around, and puts his right foot in the ground, puts his head down and runs. Then he takes a peek, see the ball's thrown far. I've never seen anyone do this. Sees the ball, says, okay. Puts his head back down, the run get back into a full phase, and then picks his head up and it's right there. I've never seen anything like that. Cause like other guys who aren't as good like me, like your eyes are just staring and you're trying to, oh, I can't run, I can't make who is like, oh, that's a little far. Just like a center fielder. So all right, let me put my head back down. I'm tracking the ball without even looking at it. And then Look up, bam, it's right there. I was just like, in that moment, I'm like, that is Julio Jones. Also, I feel like you probably looked around the sideline and were like, holy shit. Same thing, right? And guys were just like, yeah, it's just, it's Wednesday, dude, calm down. Damn. It's like, what, what? And like, when other guys from other teams come on, the same thing, right? They're like, did, did you just see what you just did? I'm like, what, just ran by two people and jumped over two other people and caught it? I'm like, yeah. They're like, what? That's not special to you? And I'll just, I thought about it for a second. Same thing. I was like, you're officially that guy now. Yeah. I'm just like, I guess after a while you become so desensitized to it. You just don't even understand. Cause in Cowboys game, they literally doubled him. This was what, two years ago. Now the guy was a weak hook player backside. Julio's in the slot over here. So he's already has 20 yards in front of him. The safety's coming down to double him. So they kind of like 
you know, bracket him in that yeah. way. He runs by both of them that have perfect angles, runs by both of them and catches the ball on the far sideline. And the same linebacker is like, dude, did you see that? I'm like, yeah, it was third down. We went to Julio. Like, w- w- what's up? The thing about Julio is, too, I've made many arguments the last few years. I think Odell's the best receiver because I think he has a top-end speed that is really, really scary. I've been making a lot of arguments lately that I would put Tyreek as the, the scariest Definitely weapon the in football. But when you look at the last few years and you realize that Julio is one or two every year in receiving yards, and you know that they're targeting all the time, and you think of the physical elements, the fact that he's not the highest paid wide receiver in the NFL is kind of crazy. It's a little crazy. Yeah, I'm not going to speak on the money side as much. but uh, I mean, you can say that your teammates should... I 100% think Julio's worth every single penny. Yeah. Like the, he's, he's a I do realize, though, that I feel like Julio getting a new contract has been like a, a news story for a few years. Yeah, I mean, as his teammate, like I, I want to see him get paid what he's worth. But right. at the same time, you know, I'm not I'm not in the front office. I have no control over what happens. I'm just, you know, supporting him. As well, luckily, the salary cap keeps going up. But going back to your point about instant gratification society, like Julio's not on social media. You won't hear one controversial thing. You won't have, hear one bad tidbit in the media. Like if if a game ends because he did whatever. Like, he'll be a man, show it to me to be like, you know what, this was on me. Like, you'll never hear anything. Mm. You'll never throw anyone under the bus. You won't say anything dumb. And like like most reporters, they'll try to get you. And Does he stick just, gum under the wide receiver table, though? I don't know, man. He's got to do something. If that's the worst thing you can get on him, then yeah. I'll, I'll He doesn't I'll say, God you. bless you, when somebody sneezes. Yeah, probably that. Julio, you need what to be more polite. Dick. Yeah, what a bad guy. God, what an asshole. Yeah, so I think that's the thing, man. I that's get confused by Julio because I want to call him either Julio Hones or Julio Jones. It just throws me off that the J is completely different in both names. No, yeah, if he wasn't. If I like Julio Hones. Julio Hones going full South American with it. Yeah. I like it. Julio Hones. 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 Uh, it was a pleasure to meet you. Thank you for having I me. I had a great fucking time. Me too. That Appreciate was, oh, we fixed it. Yeah, we, we got it at the end. Where do you spend your off seasons? Atlanta or? Um, probably. Are you going to do the Matt Ryan thing again? Are you working yeah, on? Man. That's what we was talking about in the beginning. I'm going to be down there in SoCal with them, get, get my tan going, hang out on the beach and run some routes. So it'll be a. Uh, Hopefully it'll be pretty relaxing before uh, camp and season gets going. If I had to do like subtitles for this podcast t- for the podcast, it would be Austin Hooper. And then what, what line did you just say? On the beach. Get my tan get on. Get my tan on and running routes. That's what your book title should be. Put that on my gravestone. Beautiful. Thanks, Appreciate brother. it.